This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. You're here on Well, Well, Well with Jacinta and Jack, and we are still with Shane Sturgis from the Black Aboriginal Corporation. And we wanted to have a discussion about The Voice. And Shane, you've been involved in a lot of discussions already and um, have been involved in working groups around it. I wanted to start with what does the the proposed voice to Parliament mean to you and why is it important for Australia? For me, it's uh, an acknowledgement and a recognition of Aboriginal people as the first people of Australia. It's something that has been lacking. Um, It provides a mechanism for Aboriginal people to actually have a say in matters and issues that directly relate to their lives and allow them to speak to a process that they've been able to manage for tens of thousands of years successfully um, prior to colonisation, at which point things started to go pretty south for Aboriginal people. Um, the importance of it to Australia is to bring like, every Australian a level of pride in being Australian, in recognising our Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people as the first peoples of this country, um, and to bring a level of equity um, to the constitution. You know, you know, in 1901, this country created a constitution that wasn't equitable. Um, it actually excluded First Nations people um, and created, a, for, for years after that, massive deficits for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And for Australia, this will be um, a really significant part in the reconciliation processes but it'll also give all Australians a sense of pride in knowing that they live in a country that does recognise their First Nations people, acknowledge them, accept them, and are also um, proud of their culture. In what way, Shane, do you think The Voice will provide uh, opportunities for change and healing? Um, Again, it's to do with, I think, the biggest change in healing's going to come around in generations. Um, there will be initial impacts of this that will be positive. It will provide um, Aboriginal voices speaking to Aboriginal issues. It'll bring that cultural knowledge back to the forefront for Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people. Um, but I think the more significant changes will happen over generations um, where these policies and processes have been able to be recognised, implemented, and the benefits to be seen from them. Um, I'm hoping will be, you know, by the time my granddaughters um, are of an age where this doesn't necessarily need to be a discussion anymore because it is just the process that happens where Aboriginal voices are heard and listened to. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's been a long time coming and what has been the process behind getting to this point of having a referendum announced um, and everyone going to vote on this proposed change? Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of work behind it, but can you um, just kind of tell our listeners, you know, what has been that history behind this moment that we're facing right now? Um. This whole voice process has been um, an ongoing process for over a decade. Um, one of the really um, annoying aspects, I suppose, of the, of the No campaign is, is you know, and some of the words that have been used, this is Albanese's referendum, that it's, be, it's, it's actually taken something that was created by Aboriginal people for Aboriginal people over a decade ago this journey started. Um, and more recently, it's become a political playground um, where it's not actually politicians that this affects. It's not politicians that have initiated this process. Um, this was commenced by a group of people um, over 10 years ago in creating the Uluru Statement, um, which is an invitation for all Australians to join us on this journey. Um, and the commencement of that journey is the voice to parliament. Um, but even longer than that, I'd say that this journey has been going since the 1967 referendum where the referendum was to include Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people um, in the census to be counted as human. Um, and it's been a process that's been, there's been strong advocates and um, resilient people that have led that process and that charge ever since then to bring us to this point. So to turn around now and use politics as a football to kick this around to try and divide voices and divide the country is a, is a really disrespectful um, game to play to the hard work of all of the Aboriginal people that have worked on bringing this to the point it is now for the decades that they've been doing it. Shane, I believe you've spoken um, around the idea that, I guess, for Rainbow Mob, this is the second time in a handful of years that um, people's rights have been put up for national discussion. Uh, the marriage equality plebiscite in 2017 led to harmful public debate uh, about LGBTIQA rights and, and lives. I guess thinking about the implications of debate and the platform for racism, um, what are, I suppose, the potential extra harms um, for Rainbow Mob to come out of this debate that we're talking about uh, around the voice to parliament? Yeah, look, for our LGBTIQ plus SB Aboriginal community, it will be the second time in five years, six years, that they've invited the entire country to sit around and talk about them as people, as citizens, as humans, um, and all I really would ask of everyone is, you know, yes, we are inviting you to have those discussions. Yes, we are inviting you to have that vote. Um, but particularly for our queer community um, and from, you know, the narratives that we heard through the marriage equality campaign um, that we want to try and avoid um, the harm elements in going into the referendum is you need to be kind to each other. And put, yes, 
have these conversations, but have them mindfully and respectfully and with purpose. Don't just go out there, you know, saying crap because you've got a mouth and you can say crap. Go out there with a purpose and, you know, genuinely seek engagement on it. Um, do it respectfully. Do it knowing that the conversations that you're having affect individuals. They f- affect their purpose in life. It, it, they affect their lives. Um, so be kind to each other when having these conversations and just be respectful and mindful that this is somebody's life that you're talking about. For people listening, um, so I, I suppose non-Indigenous, LGBTI, LGBTIQA plus people, how else uh, can they support Rainbow Mob um, through this through this time, really? I think within um, our LGBTIQ plus SB sector around the country, um, I think if we... we look out for each other. We host our wellbeing sessions. I mean, Black are looking at putting together um, some consultations around the country to do harm minimalization and to build resilience and wellbeing processes for um, our rainbow um, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander families to ensure that uh, the level of harm to come from any narratives around this referendum is minimized Mm. um and then hopefully at the end of this referendum regardless of the outcome um host a well-being gathering to talk to each other and connect with each other and um bring about that uh level of harmony for our community we spoke a little bit about the journey to get where we are today I, I suppose looking forward uh, beyond the vote, I, and I don't believe we still quite know when it is yet, um, I suppose what long-term change do you hope to see from The Voice? I imagine part of that would be um, to come from the Uluru Statement as well around um, truth and, and treaty, I imagine, would be part of it. Yeah. Look, that, they are all processes that need to follow. I think um, post-referendum... Um, particularly for our rainbow families and our rainbow communities, we do need to have a voice. We need to ensure that um, the voice to parliament does include um, a queer element um, that can speak to all of the intersections and all of the uh, our rainbow acronym in presenting that um, as part of the voice to parliament. Um, and in doing so, Black would make sure that I'm making sure that we're advocating that, um, and that post-referendum, um, regardless of the outcome, that we will be here to support Mob. We'll be here to look at what the next steps are. Um, hopefully, they're um, all positive steps following a yes vote. Um, but e- either way. Um, there is still work to be done and there's still work for us to be able, that we need to come together to deliver on. And Shane, NIDOC is about celebrating survival and resilience and strength and obviously all of those things are, are something that um, people are keeping in mind coming up to this really big moment um, in history really. Do you have any advice for Rainbow Mob out there um, during NIDOC week and for these months ahead? Um, look, connect with each other. 
um, if you do know, engage and educate people. If you don't know, then ask. There are always there's information out there. There's a multitude of information out there. You need to make sure you're reading the right information. That whatever decision you're making, you're just, you're making well informed. Whatever discussions that you're having with people, remain open to the possibility of change um, based on the information that you receive. Um, if we all go into this really closed mind with a set agenda or a set response, um, we're not really then able to listen. Shane Sturger, CEO at Black Aboriginal Corporation. Thank you so much for joining us to speak a little bit about the work you do uh, for community, the work at Black as well as The Voice. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you to all your listeners and vote yes. (laughs) Thank you, Shane. From HIV to COVID-19, STIs and everything in between, you're listening to Well, Well, Well on Joy and the Community Radio Network. We're now joined by Jill Gallagher, who is a proud Gunjmara woman from Western Victoria. Jill is the Chief Executive Officer of Varcho, the peak representative for community-controlled health and well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Victoria. Varcho has released a statement in support of voting yes to the establishment of a First Nations voice to Parliament. Why is it important for Varcho to make this statement? I think, well, for VACTA, we are a peak body for Aboriginal health and wellbeing um, in here in Victoria. Um, and we've been around, I think, 26 years now. Um, and, you know, we do our best like everyone else. Um, we still haven't closed that life expectancy gap that was uh, kicked off back in 2008. Um, we still are over in, our people are over incarcerated. Uh, in the justice system, in the correctional services. We still have our children being taken away at alarming rates. We still have poverty that exists in a, in a uh, well-developed country, uh, in, the, in the Aboriginal communities uh, across this country. Um, and um, it needs to be changed. And I believe, not only as a CEO of that show, but as an Aboriginal woman, that change is about empowerment. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, being able to have this change, obviously we're encouraging people to vote yes in the upcoming referendum. Uh, you know, yeah. why why is having this Indigenous voice to Parliament going to create this change? What kind of things do you expect will, will happen? Well, I would expect that... Um, you know, if we had a voice to Parliament some 30 years ago, um, when the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody was commissioned and all these recommendations come out, uh, I would expect that uh, this voice would ensure uh, that government would implement those recommendations. Um, I would expect that this voice holds um, uh, governments accountable for not implementing the solutions that we've worked very hard to put together. Um, I don't know how many reports that deal with Aboriginal disadvantage in this country still sit on a shelf. Um, when the Social Justice Commissioner um, back then, Tom Karma, 
when he uh, first came into office. He basically said, we can close that life expectancy gap. Uh, uh, it's not too hard for, back then it was less than 3% of the population, um, but we need long-term commitment uh, that goes longer than political parties' time frames. Um, that voice can hold the government, the bureaucracy, and also politicians accountable for not achieving the outcomes that we know what we need to do. Yeah, and relating to that, I guess, that accountability and the wider truth-telling that will come from this process and and from the referendum and then the establishment of the voice, uh, you know, thinking uh, about the statement that you released um, talking about the intergenerational and ongoing trauma cycles that have perpetuated these disadvantages, you know, since colonisation and invasion happened in this country, what change do you hope it will bring to these ongoing traumas? And I, I think that in the statement you spoke a bit about how it can provide hope. Well, hope is very important. In anyone, um, in any community, if you are raised and live without hope, um, it's a pretty, um, pretty unwell. Um, when, when I think about, I mean, I as an Aboriginal woman, you know, I never grew up on a mission. I was born in 1955. My mother was born in 1926. So she was born into a country where she had no hope automatically as a baby. Um, she was born and lived on Framlingham Aboriginal Mission and um, where you controlled every aspect of your life as an Aboriginal person is controlled by the authorities, whether you can leave that mission or not whether you can own property or not, uh, whether you can get a job or not, uh, whether you can see your children or not. Um, that's how my mother grew up. She grew up without hope and without a voice. Uh, so that needs to change. And I know last year the coroner here in Victoria released uh, his report that indicated that the suicide rates in the Victorian Aboriginal community have increased by 75%. Wow. Now that, to me, that's no hope. There's a lack of hope. And having this recognition uh, in the Australian constitution that we are the first peoples of this country, that brings back that hope and it brings back that standing and have you seen that sense of hope kind of pick up around this discussion of having a voice to parliament, you know, through the people who you see using Vartro services? Is that sense of hope coming through now that this is a real possibility? Can I say that's really hard to gauge. I can only gauge uh, my mum, as I spoke about before, she's still alive. She's 97 this year. Um, and I visited her uh, last week. And I had a conversation because she remembers the 67 referendum. And I said to her, I said, Mum, we are having another referendum this year. And she said, oh, what's that about? And I said, well, it's basically about recognising your people, our people, as the first people in this country. 
And I can't repeat on radio what she said, by the way, because it's a little bit rude. But she said, it's about bloody time. Wonderful, wonderful. So it has a really big impact and, you know, really shows the, the change that's happened over her lifetime. Exactly. And exactly right. My mum had 11 children and she had six of those children taken off her. So, and she's not unique in the Aboriginal community right across this continent. She just survived to feel the pain uh, a lot longer than a lot of other Aboriginal people. Yeah, it's it's really powerful to see the impact that this that this change and this representative voice can have for yeah. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, you know, everywhere. Um, yeah, I think in terms of the, you know, all of the discussion in the mainstream media and in government and um, just generally amongst people, you know, regularly in public, do you think that having this discussion is useful or, or do you see maybe some of the um, perhaps the detrimental impacts of the debate and, and I guess an, potentially an increase in people voicing really racist views in relation to mm. the upcoming referendum? Yeah, look, can I say um, um, our people have survived for more than 60,000 years on this continent. We survived the extinction of the megafauna. Um, we saw the um, our ancestors witnessed the volcanoes erupting. Um, my ancestors walked from Victoria to Tasmania, um, you know, when there was a land bridge. We're quite resilient and we can take any anything that the races want to dish out to us, the racist people out there. Uh, and yes, we are copping it, but I do believe the majority of the Australian community are not racist people and they want to do the right thing and this is the right thing to vote yes. Absolutely. Incredible, powerful message, Jill Gallagher. Thank you very much for your time talking to us about uh, the upcoming referendum uh, and, yeah, all the best for the upcoming um, campaigns that you'll be doing. Thank you very much and thank you for having taken the interest. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.